0: Got 20 minutes? Then you have time for a Bible study.
1: Jesus, name above all names,
0: I worship you. Jesus,
1: worthy to be praised. I you. Hey everybody, I'm Andy Balog. And I'm Jordan Pine. Welcome to another episode of 20-Minute Bible Studies. Today we're going to look at an intriguing passage of scripture
2: that some have used to promote the false teaching that humans can be equal to God.
1: Yes, some say this passage we're about to hear supports the Eastern religious idea that God is a universal force, and we can tap into him to become like gods ourselves. But let's listen carefully to what Jesus actually said.
0: A reading from the Gospel of John. The Jews picked up stones again to stone him. Jesus answered them, I showed you many good works from the Father. For which of them are you stoning me? The Jews answered him, For a good work we do not stone you, but for blasphemy, and because you, being a man, make yourself out to be God. Jesus answered them, Has it not been written in your law? I said, You are gods. If he called them gods, to whom the word of God came, and the Scripture cannot be broken, do you say of him whom the Father sanctified and sent into the world, You are blaspheming Because I said, I am the Son of God. If I do not do the works of my Father, do not believe me. But if I do them, though you do not believe me, believe the works so that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I am in the Father. That was John chapter 3, verses 31 to 38. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his Word.
2: We begin with the SPACE method. SPACE is an acronym that reminds us to consider the SP or speaker, A for audience, and C for context of a Bible reading before attempting an E or explanation. Today we see that the speaker is Jesus Christ. The audience is identified as the Jews. If you go back to the previous chapters, you'll see that this was primarily the Jewish leaders in the form of the Pharisees and the scribes. These were experts in the law,
1: which is why Jesus cites the law to them. As for the context, this exchange happens right after Jesus gives the parable of the Good Shepherd. In this parable, he also calls himself, quote, the door of the sheep, which is a metaphor containing an important type. We explored this type in detail in a 20-minute Bible study titled, I am the door of the sheep. You can find it in our list of podcast episodes, and it's on our website at 20mbs.org. In any case, the context of John 10 is Jesus asserting his deity. John 10.22 says this exchange happened during the winter, during the Feast of Dedication on the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. Jesus Christ is in the temple in an area called the Portico, or porch, of Solomon, named in honor of King Solomon, of course, who built the first temple which was later destroyed by King Nebuchadnezzar. So the Jews gather around Jesus and say, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, that is, the promised king, tell us plainly. And Jesus replies, I told you, and you do not believe. And then he tells them why. Essentially, you're not my sheep. After that comes one of the strongest biblical proofs of both Jesus Christ's divinity in the Bible as well as of the doctrine of assurance which is once saved always saved and that's John 10:27 to 30. Andy can you read that passage for our listeners please? Sure Jordan.
2: Again, John 10:27 to 30. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. And I give eternal life to them and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. And what happens right after that is the Jews pick up stones to stone Jesus, right? So we see the scene in our minds and we heard why in our scripture reading. They see Jesus as a man making himself out to be God. Now of course back then even today, that's considered blasphemy and punishable by death. So, moving on, Jordan, now that we've considered who the speaker is, who the audience is, and what the context was, we're better equipped to give an explanation. Let's break down this passage of Scripture.
1: Okay, in John 10:34, Jesus says, Has it not been written in your law, I said you are gods? He called them gods, to whom the word of God came, end quote. So, he's referencing the 82nd Psalm here, and it's short. So, let's read the whole thing. But first, it's important to point out this is not a Psalm of David. We tend to assume that all the Psalms are written by David, but there are other authors. In this case, it's a, a Psalm of Asaph. Asaph is said to be an ancestor of the Asaphites. That's why they're named Asaphites. And um, the Asaphites were one of the guilds of musicians that were in the first temple. In Chronicles, we learn that Asaph was a Levite, one of three commissioned by King David, to be in charge of singing in the house of Yahweh. It's also important to note that, of course, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God, that's according to 2 Timothy 3.16, and that would also include the Psalms. So this is inspired by God. And uh, Jesus reminds us in John 10.35 that Asaph is someone to whom the Word of God came, meaning that God is speaking through Asaph in the 12 psalms that are attributed to him, including this one. So here we go, Psalm 82. It says, God takes his stand in his own congregation. He judges in the midst of the rulers. How long will you judge unjustly and show partiality to the wicked? Selah, which means pause and consider that. Vindicate the weak and fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and destitute. Rescue the weak and needy, deliver them out of the hand of the wicked. They do not know, nor do they understand, they walk about in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are shaken. I said, you are gods, and all of you are sons of the Most High. Nevertheless, you will die like men, and fall like any one of the princes. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for it is you who possesses all the nations. The first thing I observe, Andy, is that this is not a particularly great passage to claim if you want to promote the idea that humans are like gods, right? That's correct, Jordan. Because right after
2: Asaph calls them gods, he says, You will die like men. Well, let's break this psalm down. What is the setting and context? Well, we see here that God takes his stand in his own congregation. He judges in the midst of the rulers. Now, are these congregants and rulers already gods? Well, they, they do not know nor do they understand is what it says, and they walk about in darkness. Well, I have to say that's sad because then Asaph says, because they have a rare position and potential, some points are, you are gods. All of you are sons of the Most High. In other words, in Hebrew, the word used here is Elohim. And we talked about this in, in, in prior lessons. The word Elohim there is plural. It's the same word translated rulers in verse 1. In fact, that first verse reads, Elohim takes his stand in his own congregation, and he judges in the midst of Elohim. Now, this deeper look at the Hebrew helps clarify the passage because we see Asaph is speaking of the rulers of Israel as being part of the congregation of God which is the plurality of God judging Israel. Note that he immediately clarifies, though, and he says, they are not the most high, they are sons of the most high. And as the psalm continues, we see these sons are destined to squander that potential as firstborn sons, as they did throughout the Old Testament. And nevertheless, you will die like man, is what it reads, and you will fall like any one of the princes. And if, of course, if there's any doubt that, you know, God is separate and above all, Aesop ends with these words, Arise, O God, judge the earth, for it is you who possesses all the nations.
1: Yeah, that's a really important breakdown. In particular, you know, Andy, what jumped out at me was that when you, when you translate that first verse of that psalm, it actually says, Elohim takes his stand in his own congregation. He judges in the midst of Elohim. And we know Elohim as a word for, for God and the, the plurality of God, but when you, when you actually go to the Hebrew, you see that it also has this, this broader meaning, um, because it's translated rulers in English, but it's actually the word Elohim again. So Elohim can mean, the, 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 you know, the Godhead, and it can also mean rulers. So it's really important—once again, we've seen this a lot in our studies—to, if you're having a point of confusion or you're trying to understand a difficult passage, one of, the, one of the things you can do besides the space method, which we always promote, that tool, is you can also go to the original languages online with a, a Bible Helps. There's a great online one called the Blue Letter Bible, if you're not familiar with it, which allows you to search and then break things down into Hebrew and Greek. And uh, we use it all the time for preparation for these studies. And you can see um, sometimes you can, you can learn things that um, really open your eyes. And this is one of those cases when I looked at this psalm in the Hebrew, I realized that English was not doing it justice, and it was creating some of the confusion I think people have about, about this topic of, you know, men being like gods or whatever. You know, Jordan, really quick, I just want to interject,
2: and, you know, being that you mentioned, you know, how people interpret these verses today, I once did a study on John MacArthur's opinion on this, and one of the things that he mentioned is he actually studied the tone of the language, the original Hebrew. So when he says, you are gods, when God is telling this to the leadership of Israel, he's actually doing it with a tongue-in-cheek. He's actually being sarcastic. Because right after he says, well, you are gods, is kind of the tone of it. Because then what does he do? He starts rattling off a bunch of reasons exactly why they're not. You know, So it was him calling them out and saying, you, know, you guys put yourself in that position. Even though you're you're my children, and you know you're the heir parent of, I've, I've done all this for you. I've chosen you to be my people, you know. But you fail. You consistently fail over and over and over again. So, again, to your point, people read these verses today, and then they have a really difficult time without doing their deeper study, being able to differentiate what's a dogma. And and what should be read, you know, literally and what should be read, you know, based on um, you know, how God is trying to teach a lesson to people. So it's not always, you know, cut and dry. Sometimes there's there's something deeper to it, you know. And of, of course, that's why we do the studies that we do by following the space method. It's really understanding and getting your head wrapped around the context, especially in this psalm.
1: Yeah, and to reinforce your point and reiterate, you know. When you read that little phrase, you are God's, in its context, that psalm, you can see the tongue in the tongue in cheek, or at least, like we were saying earlier, you wouldn't want to claim that passage as your passage if you thought you were like God, because right after that, it says, you'll die like men. And also, again, the context helps you see he's calling them sons of the Most High and then praising God separately. So the idea that we can become part of this like universal collective thing. Like I said earlier, it's a very Eastern idea that it's not supported by the text. So anyway, um, so we've heard from from Asif and uh, the psalm, and now let's return to our text in John 10. You know, to paraphrase verses 34 and 35 of chapter 10, Jesus essentially argues, you know, if Asif said, under inspiration of God, that you rulers are gods, sons of the Most High, why do you say that I'm blaspheming when I say I'm the Son of God? I was sanctified and sent into this world by the Father. And then he argues a little something like this. You asked if I'm the Christ. Well, if I don't do the works of God, my Father, then the answer is clear. But if I do the works of of God, my Father, even though you're skeptical, you have to admit that the Father is in me and I'm in the Father. In other words, I'm not blaspheming when I say that I and the Father are one. So really, this passage is about Jesus using the Jewish leader's own law, combined with some logical arguments, to sort of outmaneuver them. He is certainly not telling them that they are actually gods, since these were the same hypocrites that he called a brood of vipers, for example. I mean, he was always rebuking them, and who Asaph, again, prophesied would die like men. That said, those with spiritual ears will have heard something very important in Asaph's psalm, which is, all of you are sons of the Most High. The Apostle Paul echoes this language in his letters, doesn't he, Andy? He sure does, in several places, Jordan. And here are two
2: key ones. Let's look at Galatians chapter 3, and we'll pick up in verse 26 and read on to 29. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. And there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free man. There is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's descendants, heirs according to promise. And then another point we're going to read is in Romans chapter 8, and it's 14 to 17. And it reads, For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, But you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him so that we might one day also be glorified with him. So Jordan, you know, before we start getting into our conclusion and some takeaways from today's lesson, a couple of key points I just want our listeners to consider. These particular verses here, we don't actually see the words, you are God's, but we do see repetitively that we're considered sons of God or heirs to the promise, if you will. Going back, I just want everyone to remember that there is a difference between a lowercase God and a capital God. In other words, if you see God with a capital G, it's always referencing the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. However, when throughout the Bible, when we see a lowercase g used for gods, it references everything but God, even when we're talking about the enemy. So if we're talking about, for instance, false prophets or false gods, that might be in the world, where people are worshiping uh, a, a false deity, right? Like a, a, a stone or a hunk of wood that was whittled with man's hands. Those are little g-gods, if you will. And another key point I want everyone to remember is that Jesus also, at another point, is calling these same Pharisees, this, these same leaders of Israel, he calls them sons of their father, the devil, right. which we also know to consider... To be a little g, right? So, you know, these are, these are key things to remember, even though it doesn't come out literally, and I think that's one of the key points in our takeaways for today, is even though that you, you, there, it doesn't come out literally in these scriptures, and then people be- make that into, you know, traditional, basically a belief or dogma that this is a religious truth, or a foundation of religious truth, that we're like God, or we're equal to God. And again, it's being able to understand the tone and, and really looking at it from not only the, the ground-level view, but a bird's-eye view of what, how God is, knowing his heart, and what he's trying to portray Israel as at the time, the leadership of Israel.
1: Yeah, I think you really hit the nail on the head, Andy, and um, one, thing I, one thing I thought of, uh, is it's a good trick question, but if you ever want to stump your friends, uh, your, your Bible-believing friends, you could say, try to catch them off guard, you know, who, who's the God of this earth? And your first thing is, well, God is God of it. The answer is, it's a lower G God, and he's speaking of Satan because the earth is fallen. Satan is the technical lower lowercase G God of this earth. He's the one that is over this earth right now. Of course, eventually he'll be defeated, and and Christ will return, and and um, Jesus, and then God will be over this earth. But right now, it's a kind of a trick question. He would be going to your definitional thing. He would be the lowercase God of this earth. Um, but the, the main thing I think you brought out, which I thought was really interesting, is the, the conditionality of it. That that that's kind of the key word I want to put out: the, the conditionality. So so, how can the Jews be called sons of the Most High in this psalm by Asaph, and also Jesus called them sons of their father, the devil? And the answer is because you're because you know the Jews were under a doctrine of works, and the status of whether they were being sons of God or sons of the devil all had to do with their actions, and of course. As a brood of vipers seeking to kill the air, uh, ultimately, they were were acting as sons of the devil, and it can be conditional in that way. Whereas Paul, writing to the church at Galatia, and the churches in that area, and also in the church at Rome, says something a little bit different and interesting. There's still a conditionality to it, but listen to what he says first, again, in verse uh, 26 of Galatians 3. He said, "'For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus.'" So we, you know, and then later on he says, heirs according to promise. So we we sort of get that status from our faith in Christ Jesus, but it's still somewhat conditional because if you look at Romans 8, like verse 14, he says, for all who are being led, and that's the present continuous tense, it's an ongoing thing, by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. So if you're being led by the Spirit, in other words, you're putting the flesh to death and you are um, letting God live through you you're walking with Jesus Christ, your, wa- your, your walk as a Christian is good, then you are, you are achieving that status of sons of God. But it's not permanent, it's not preordained, it's conditional. And then, of course, later on in that verse, we have our, some famous verses that we love to quote, which is that, you know, we are fellow heirs with Christ if, indeed, we suffer with Him, so we may, we may also be glorified with Him. So we get that status from Jesus Christ, and it's only through this continuous sanctification process.
2: Yeah, excellent points, Jordan. And you know, in conclusion, this is what you are gods or you are Elohim really means. Not that we can achieve godlike powers. Remember, that lie brought about the original sin and comes from the deceiver. You know, in Genesis 3, 5, in the garden, the serpent said, if you eat from the tree, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God. That's a lie. We cannot be like God, but we can be a part of him sons of the most high and conditionally inherit what has been reserved for sons as fellow heirs with christ jesus if we continue to be led by the spirit of god and we take up our
1: crosses and do god's will in our lives that's the real meaning of "You are gods and that is our lesson
0: thanks for joining us for another 20-minute bible study Special thanks to the family of Pastor Gary T. Whipple and to the Abundant Life Worship Center for the music for our show. I'm Steve Zioli. Until next time, may the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound
2: Histories of the Kingdom, Incorporated.